the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's up, everyone, and welcome back for another Jets episode on the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. As always, I got my man Alex here to bring me down to earth because, for some reason, schedule day is my second favorite NFL holiday after (laughs) (laughs) the Jets draft. And we have a really special guest here today to really bring us into this Jets season and give us give us the real shakedown because he's not a friend, guys. He 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 might look like a friend. He's dressed. He he might might. Right, right for the, our friends. He's around the team, but he's not a friend. But he's definitely a friend of the show. We got DJ BNMA, the Jets beat writer for the New York Daily News. What's up, man? Hey, how y'all doing, man? You know, um, you know, I'm, you know, just a little bit tired, but it's all good though. You know, just working and stuff. So got that, got that, that, that schedule release leak coming in early, huh? Yeah, yeah. So that kind of <laughs> that kind of made uh, my job a little bit easier, to be honest. To be honest, I wasn't having to scramble as much. I was able to, you know, write about, you know, take away from the schedule and then also include um, some predictions and things like that. So, you have any initial thoughts on the schedule? Just, you know, while we're here? Because I, I, fr- I know it's fresh in our minds right now. I, I would have thought that they would have put Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson on week like, one. Yeah, not, not even week one, just on more like, because I think it's a, it's a regular game. I thought, you know, they'd probably give that one like more spotlight or maybe a little bit earlier. Um, but that for me, that's the most intriguing game of the year. Mm-hmm. Not, not the easy answer of the Carolina Panthers. I mean, <laughs> Sam, Sam Darnold doesn't do it for me like, like that anymore. I mean, he had nine touchdowns last year. So, I mean, it just doesn't move the needle for me like that, but I understand why that might be a lot of people's choice, but those are some early thoughts. Um, so yeah. That's so funny. Did you, how did you feel when, as soon as you got into, you know, this Jets role and all of a sudden, the Darnold gauntlet just got shoved in your face, right? And you're sitting there as a Miami fan, like, I hate this guy. What's the problem? And then we had the Zach, the Zach Wilson stuff coming in. Man, how did you, how did you navigate all that? So, um, it was weird. So at first I used to like, on my Twitter before, you know, I got this gig. I used to like blatantly say consistently, yo, Sam Donald sucks. <laughs> Yeah, like, he, tough. You know, like I was like, yo, he stinks. Like, I, I, you know, I hope they keep him from forever, though. But like, he's just not it. And then, as you know, I started interviewing for the job. I was like, oh snap! Well, I don't know. <laughs> Got to delete some tweets. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know how Jet fans really felt about him. Like, I got my best friend; he's a Jets fan, but I don't know. I mean, he, I can't get the temperature of the fan base off of him. So I started deleting some tweets. Then, you know, when I got the job, I just asked the next day, what did you think about Sam Darnold? I'm like, oh, that was cool. <laughs> but I also had to delete some Zach Wilson tweets because I was just like, because before I even did any of my film study, anything like that, I'm just like, yo, how y'all going to have Zach Wilson with Justin Fields? Like, yo, what's going on here? Like, who did Justin, who did Zach Wilson play? Blah, blah, blah. Then I had to delete some of those tweets. I was just like, all right, hold on now. <laughs> You watch some stuff now. Let me, you know, I gotta be careful now and make sure that, you know, now that I'm on the job, let me do my research, you know. So, um, yeah, man, I had to, I had to do some, some backtracking a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you're on a podcast that uh, one is a little upset that uh, we lost Sam Donald because we're still believers in Sam Donald around here. And we yeah, we're the apologists. We, we are to, to, to a fault. And, uh, we're hoping that he actually does somewhat well in Carolina. And then we were also skeptical. Y'all deserve better for your health, man. And then on top of that, we were very skeptical, uh, just like you when it came to Zach Wilson, because one, this, there, there was just a lot of hype about a dude who came out of nowhere. At, yeah. You're watching him go through the BYU process. Didn't really play a lot of people. You have Justin Fields who plays for Ohio State, our producers from Ohio State. And so every time we slander uh, Ohio State quarterback because of what Urban Meyer did and just destroy every single QB product that came through there. So so now we're just like, who is this guy? But after doing some film watching, we're we're, we're, we're down to earth. We're down to earth on Zach Wilson. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. It was all right. All right. I I understand. I could could understand why they were, you know, going with uh, Zach Wilson. Um, the real question is, let's say they had like the fourth overall pick, would they have kept Sam Darnold? Because Joe Douglas said, but a little bit later, they may have kept Sam Darnold. But you know, we'll never know. So, yeah, you 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 highlighted that in your last article actually that uh, Joe Douglas said that's been a, a common theme really through the Darnold and Douglas era is Douglas says something, some sort of promise, right? Whether it's the San Donald's parents or whatever it is, and we just keep hearing about it. And the latest thing that came out was, you know, if we obviously if we lost the game or two more, we would have got Trevor Lawrence. If we won a game or two more, we're keeping Sam Darnold. And we're kind of just we kind of just settled into this Zach Wilson and as Alex and I like to call it arranged marriage. And so we just, you know, we just, it, it, we, that's really how it feels. It's like, okay, I guess you'll do, you know, you, you, I guess you check the boxes. And we were really looking forward to the rest of the draft. And, you know, Alex specifically was really skeptical last year. Everyone is hyping up Joe Douglas, right? He's the best GM ever. And then he's like, yo, can we just see the first draft? Like, can we just like see like the, we know he won in Philly, but can we just see the first draft? So the first draft went surprisingly well. And now the second, the second draft, he, you know, traded Adams. He traded Darnold, collecting picks here and there. We were there with 10. We ended up with 10. But the big news of day one surprisingly wasn't Zach Wilson, wasn't the number two pick. It was, as we all know, getting rid of the two third round picks, collecting a fourth and moving up nine spots for Elijah Vera Tucker, the left guard from USC, wide zone guy. I mean, from everything that we read, from everything that's projected, supposed to be the top guard since Quentin Nelson. At least that's how he's graded on paper. Mm-hmm. So left side, strong side. That's what I've been screaming ever since that day. Uh, so that to me is what it's all about, building through the trenches and actually building around Zach Wilson. So DJ, what are your impressions from just that trade? And what's your impressions of... I guess the, the mood from that trade is it negative? Like the, the little, you know, birds are chirping on Twitter or is it actual, you know, are, are cooler heads prevailing? Like, wow, this is an actual franchise changing move. Um, so my initial thought, like my, you know, quick reaction was, Oh, that's kind of a lot to give up to go up and get a left guard. But then like, you know, it just made sense with their plan that they were trying to do, which is, you know, get Zach Wilson, the, proper protection, get him some weapons as they did later on in the draft. But, you know, just trying to, you know, solidify the offensive line and Elijah Bear Tucker. I mean, he's a pretty good overall offensive lineman. He's versatile, can play left tackle, right, I mean, left guard, things of that nature. So, you know, once I settled in and 
you know, looked at things with a full range and more nuance and context, you know, I was okay. This, this isn't, this isn't a bad move. You know, this is a good move overall because you're investing in, in your, in your quarterback. You know, I've seen some, you know, some talking with some analytic people, things that they've been just talking about, you know, they gave up too much, but my thing with like analytics is like, yo, Sometimes we can't even like see what the product, what product they even talking about. It just gives all these numbers. Yeah. And like they can't even like explain it. Like they, they, they try to explain it, but you, it's not quantifiable in my, in my estimation for the most mm-hmm. part. And the picks that they gave up. I mean, we're being honest. I mean, um, you know, Minnesota ended up taking Kellen Mond and it took Watt Davis. So yeah, the, um, the, the Jets could have possibly, you know, used the third round and get some like, um, cornerback help because there were going to still be some office alignment like a Tevin Coleman, not Tevin Coleman, Tevin Jenkins, mm-hmm. or you know other office alignment. But they felt really strong about Elijah Barry Tucker, and if that's your guy. You go up and you go get your guy, and that's somebody that I have been hearing that they are really, really, really high on. So for them to snatch two top ten players on the board from their perspective is a win at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. And and honestly, at this point, is it? Almost like we have too much money, and so who cares, right? That third-round pick is, is is free money. It came from the Jamal Adams trade. So if yeah. you're telling me, you know, we're just giving up a thir- our third-round pick and whatever extra money came flowing down, we care about the two first-round picks from the Adams trade. This was literally free money, and we got a fourth back. Right. I, I, I don't know. I, I really – I don't see – it, it just feels like because we're the same old Jets, and I know that you could definitely relate to that, you know, being the, the resident Dolphins fan. <laughs> just like seeing us from afar, everything that we do just has to be dumb, no matter, no, no matter what it is, right? Right, but like that was still a smart move overall, and I think, you know, as the Jets continue to go through their rebuild and go through their process, they'll be able to shake that narrative of same old Jets. Because all narrative, right? Like we don't really know how any any of this is actually going to shake out, you know. Like when the Dolphins traded Mika Fitzpatrick and they traded Larry Tunsil and they traded Kenny Stills, mm-hmm. people killed them for those trades, saying, "Oh, now their team is the worst team on planet Earth." Yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. yada. And now people are praising the moves because, like, oh, they got all these assets, they got all these players, they turned it into yada yada yada. So we just gotta, you know, it's more of like a wait and see thing. And I think Elijah Vera Tucker is going to be a stud. At the left guard spot along with Makai Beckton. So as you, you know, the left side of the line is going to be, going to be solid. So, you know, you, you're able to improve the left side of the O line. Um, so that's going to obviously give Zach Wilson more time to throw more running lanes for either Tevin Coleman or Ty Johnson or, um, Michael Carter. So either way, the move makes sense. It's not like they traded two third round picks and they went up and got like a tight end or they went up and got like <laughs> yeah. a punter. They went and got a, a guard that protect their build, asset, right? Exactly, that can protect their asset and is going to help solidify the left side of the offensive line. So, and my thing is that even if you have all this draft capital, you don't have to necessarily use it and just draft every single player because right. I'd rather you know combine all those assets to get a really good player than to get a lot of middling or sometimes even below average players. So to get Elijah Vera Tucker, who's considered one of the better guards in this draft. And we, and it, you've seen it like our, our offensive line has been trashed the last couple of years right. because McCagnan has just failed to, to even help develop or even protect any court, <laughs> Sam Darnold or anyone who is here. Um, so I, I, I like that aspect of it. 
But my question for you though is what about, what do you think about Elijah Moore? What do you think about Michael Carter? Those two, those guys that, uh, the Jets drafted. Man, let's start with Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore, man, his routes are just unbelievable. I know. It's crazy. When when you watch the film, it's just like mind boggling, like how easily he gets open and seeing it in person, just how smooth he gets in and out of his breaks, whether the speed cuts. You know, on an out route or whether it's a dig or a slant, like he, he, he moves pretty quickly, but it always seems under control. And then when he cuts, like he doesn't lose any speed. He just picks up speed. Um, it's, his route run is really good. His hands are really good. Um, I mean, he's dynamic and that's that, that he is going to push Jamison Crowder. And it, I think it may be a decision like, yo, do we trade Jamison Crowder or do we keep the both of them? I mean, me, I'll keep the both of them. Because, you know, saving money, you're not going to really do nothing for the Jets right now. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. unless you can get like a third, if you can get like a pick, like a third or fourth or, you know, if you get third or fourth, then cool. But like saving money right now, like you're not in a must win now situation. So get Zach Wilson all the weapons. But I think he's going to really push Crowder for some playing time. Uh, and then with Michael Carter, to, uh, Michael Carter, just the running back, not the second, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, yeah, he, he's an explosive running back. Um, he's used to this type of offense because um, he said in Car- Carolina and even high school, they ran a lot of wide zone scheme, mm-hmm. which is very similar to what the Jets are going to be running with their yep. run scheme. So overall, though, um, I think those are two really good pickups. Um, the first time I ever watched Michael Carter was when he played the Hurricanes. Oh, and yeah. And he ran for 300 yards. So yep. yep. Caught my attention there, so there you have it. I mean, <laughs> You're like, who is this guy? And why? Exactly. What, I regard Javante Williams here. Who's this guy? Exactly. So I, I, I think uh, he is. You know, I think those those really two good pickups. Now I, I did my research because I you know put out a story. Yeah. Draft that you know with a running back, you may if you really want one. You got to go day two because since 2007, only like three guys after the third. Around have rushed for over 700 yards, which is Aaron Jones from Green Bay, Marlon Mack for Indianapolis, and Chris Carson for the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've all rushed over a thousand yards at one point or another, but like it's harder to find those guys, you know what I'm saying? But I feel like Michael Carter can be one of those guys, um, that can, you know, provide that, you know, maybe over 700 yards, 800 yards, because he's just that good. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and right. it, well, the best part is we don't have to expect so much from them, right? right? Because, like, as you said, we have Crowder there, and we have a pretty crowded backfield, right? We have Coleman, Pirine. We really, on this podcast especially, we really like Ty Johnson. We think that he could actually do something this year because well, when he got a chance last year, even with that decimated interior line, he was he was starting to make some moves uh, towards the end of the year. Kind of impressive, especially when the team obviously had no heart. So that kind of, that kind of impressed us. But DJ, you were at the rookie camps, right? Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, what was, what was their vibe like? You know, what was, was, did Zach Wilson look like a QB? You mentioned Elijah Moore on his routes. Like how, how, how did those boys look out there? They look like professional football players or yeah. kind of like they didn't know what was going on? Yeah, they for sure look professional football players. They let us, all we could see was individuals and special teams. We didn't really see any team stuff. Um, but I mean, you know, for the most part, everybody looked calm, cool, collected. Everything looks smooth. The ball really hit the ground. Um, Zach Wilson's arm is pretty live. Um, nice. Strong. Good velocity. Um, I mean, 
But I mean, about that though, you know, we really see too much to really give like an assessment, but the vibe was, you know, it felt, it felt like there was, there was life there. It felt like there was energy there, you know, cause you know, again, new quarterback, new head coach. So trying to implement new that. everything, new beat writer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. We got everything, man. How was the, like, so how was like, how was your first full day, man? Like Florham Park, you got the beat writers there. You got to like see everyone. Like, did, was it, was it a cool vibe? Were you like kind of nervous about it? Nah, nervous. Nah, nah. I don't really get nervous about stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Excited, yeah. Nervous, nah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a cool vibe, though. You know, I go into the press box. Not press box, but, like, there's, like, a media room, and I got my name mm-hmm. on, like, one of the doors or whatnot. I'm like, all right, that's cool. That's cool. Right yeah. and, right hand, you know. Treat me right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you do Zoom calls and stuff with some of the players. And things like that. You go out to the field. You watch them, take videos, take pictures, stuff like that. I mean, it's cool, man. It's, mm-hmm. It was cool. It was, it was a cool first day. I'm really looking forward to OTAs and training camp. That's what I'm really looking forward to. Cause that, that, that's when, you know, that's when you see real football at that point. Um, especially training camp. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. We like to get into fights sure. in training camp. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's our favorite thing to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I like, I like watching stuff like that. So I got a question for you though about Zach Wilson. Cause you got to, you wrote, you wrote a piece about him where he talked about he doesn't believe the starting job is, is his yet. Right. Yeah. And he, he's like, he said, it's, it, that it's more important. That's not, it's important, but that's not his focus right now. Um, you know, he's going to do what he can with the guys around him and the rest will take care of itself. That's, that was his, that was his quote. Right. What can you get? Like, like when you see him, do you see that leader aspect? Because that was a, one of the biggest questions. Like he wasn't a captain at BYU. Do you see that whole, like, I'm the guy type of mentality? This is, this is going to be my team moving forward, even though he's not saying it. What, what do you, what is, what are you getting from Zach Wilson so far? Um, hmm. So his teammates said that, you know, that well, the, the guys that he got drafted with also that they reached out, he reached out to them, started communicating with them. Uh, you know, veterans have reached out, things of that nature. So I think they're trying to build the chemistry. But from the least to the sample, I, that's the, I'm still in wait and see mode because, well, I mean, Elijah Moore, I will give him, Elijah Moore said that when Zach Wilson was talking to him, he felt like he was talking to a general. So that's a good, that, that's a yeah. good step for the leadership. That was a cool um, statement. Right, mm-hmm. right. But you know, um, we got to see what that vibe is like once he gets around the the vet the veterans, you know, because you know those are five, six, seven year vets, guys that have been in the league um, for a while. You got to be able to convince those guys and galvanize those guys and make those guys follow you. So we'll see on that. Um, but for everything so far, it seems like he's saying he's saying all the right things, he's doing all the right things. So he deserves credit for that. That that's for sure. Okay. Is there any player so far that's kind of like caught your eye with any of the rookies or young guys? Like, is it Elijah Vera Tucker? Is it Michael Carter? Is it Michael Carter the second? Who, who's, who's caught your eye so far from this draft? Uh, um, so I've, I've done a lot of film review on Jason. I've done a lot of like, I've watched a lot of his tape. Um, because I see some stats that, you know, that, that, that surfaced around on, uh, you know, just comparing like the JC Horn or to Derek, Derek Stanley, Derek Stingley Jr. Um, you know, so I, you know, I started watching a lot of film on him. Then I started watching a lot of film on Michael Carter second. Michael Carter second can fly. Uh, he can really, really fly. On the outside or just in the nickel? Nah, he can fly period. Like yeah. the speed is just like, I remember watching one play against Notre Dame where they run like a double tunnel screen and they mm-hmm. fake it and they fake it left. They throw it back right. And, um, the running back gets the ball because he was on the outside 
and Michael Carter's on the other side of the field. The running back is clear, and then Michael Carter runs him all the way down, catches him out of bounds, puts him out of bounds. And I think the the pit, not pit. I think Dookie ended up getting an interception right after that play, not right after that play, but later on in that in that drive. Mm-hmm. So he saved a touchdown and it resulted in uh, interception. But um, those two for sure, I've done my film study on them. So with uh, Sherwood and Najardine, um, I'm more wait and see mode. I know the Jets are really, really high on um, Najardine. I know they're really, really high on him. Um, they just, you know, they just want to see if he can, you know, get back healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they like really on. But I have to see what that transition looks like. Because me, I'd only be projecting. I haven't seen it. They actually put him in that spot and let them, you know, let them do what they do. Mm-hmm. Robert Sala has alluded to during the, you know, some of the Zoom calls that he's had with media is like, you know, the days of linebackers being 240, 250 are kind of like, they're kind of dead now. Mm-hmm. Linebackers that, that can really like go sideline to sideline, really flow, um, yeah, uh, north and south. So. He's looking for more like linebackers that's like 215 in, uh, in a sense, 215, 220, uh, maybe 210. He, um, so those are the type of linebackers he's looking for. And they kind of fit that because they like contact, they seek contact. Um, and you know, they're obviously they're, they're both of them are smart when you watch the film. Um, so those four have really caught my eye. Um, I still got, you know, dive into Brandon a little bit, uh, and a little bit on Jonathan, uh, out of Arkansas, but. Yeah. Um, I've the most player I've watched the most film on. I think for sure uh, at this class, outside of like Zach Wilson, is um for sure uh Jason. I don't know why, but I just, <laughs> I just don't watch the right. him, bro. I mean, we have we have a huge we have a lot of CB twos and CB threes. So I mean, <laughs> we he has a he has a chance to kind of elevate himself. But man, I'm so happy about the fact that works that at least the Jets staff is excited about our weak side linebackers because man oh man we cannot guard a running back or a tight end out of the backfield like literally the worst team in the nfl against tight ends so i'm glad that we're switching philosophy (laughs) we'll see how it works out but you know that's what he had everywhere he went right whether it was detroit seattle san francisco he always had the undersized fast outside uh weak side linebackers so that 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 Man, that excites me, but I, I can't, I can't let you talk about the defense if you're not, if we're not going to mention that D line, man. What do you, what, what do you think about, what do you think about the D line, interior, Carl Lawson, Vinnie Curry? Like, man, we have some, nobody's talking about our D line. And obviously it is without a doubt our yeah. strength. So I think obviously, I think without question, I don't, I don't know who can rival it right now, but I think for sure the, the, the Jets have the best D line in the AFC East. I just don't know what, what other D line has, uh, a Quinn Williams, a Carl Lawson, you know what I'm saying? I don't know which one has a, I mean, some probably have some Sheldon Rankinses, but like, you got a D line with Quinn Williams, Sheldon Rankins, you got, uh, Carl Lawson going off the edge. Um, I'm trying to remember the other guy's name. I think, uh, Fazakasi. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it, yeah, he's a beast. Dude. Right. He's a, he's been a killer. Him, even Shepard has been okay when he got in there. So it's like, Yo, they have, they for sure probably have like the best D line in their whole entire division without, without question. Like, I don't, like, I don't know who else can like even like debate it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so they're going to be to create a lot of havoc. One thing that Robert Sala brought up during the Zoom calls during Mimi Campbell is just how he's going to make sure like, he tried to simplify everything. 
So his players can just react, read and react, and try to make the quarterbacks flinch and hold the ball for a second. Um, because he's just going to be trying to have the D line just try to get after the quarterback for the most part and just continue to reset the line of scrimmage, knock the, the defender, the offensive lineman back. Um, you got Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson, like, even though he only had six sacks last year, he had like 32 quarterback hits. So, like, he gets to the quarterback. Um, I mean, he didn't get to the quarterback much when we played the Dolphins, but that's not a here nor there when he was the Bengals. But, uh, you know, shout out Austin Day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but serious note though. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, the D line, man. I, that is a strong defensive line. Yeah. Well, let, let, uh, let me ask you this. What, what, what's this, uh, what's this news about Tavon Austin, uh, coming to town? I feel like our wide receiver room is pretty packed out. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know about you, but like, obviously we have the Davis Mims, Moore, Crowder talk. And then we have Berrios, the Agent Smiths, as, uh, Alex and I call them. <laughs> and then we got, we got Lawrence Cager, uh, you know, trying to get a spot. We got Keenan Cole, who we just signed to return kicks and kind of hang out in the slot as well. well where, where does Tavon Austin fit? I, I know that LaFleur, you know, he's the gadget guy, like the McVeigh, yeah. Shanahan guy, but, where does Tavon Austin really fit on this team? Man, I don't know. But like, if I'm if I'm gonna just give like an honest answer, I don't really care, man. If he could be on the team, I'm good with that, man. Like Tavon Austin is by far my favorite college player of all time. Like, wow, it used to be Tim Tebow, but then as I got older, I started to care for Tim Tebow. Like, I started to realize, like, I, I realized that Tim Tebow is just a good college player. You know, what I'm saying? obviously he was great. Whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> please don't. Please don't. Let's not, let's not go down that road. Yeah, I, we do not want to go down Tim Tebow road for us, Jets fans. <laughs> I, I absolutely like that was for sure, without a doubt, my favorite college. I used to watch his highlights, Tavon Austin's highlights, all the time. Like going to like wake up in the morning, watch it. Dinner, watch it. Go to bed, watch it. Like on the airplane, watch. <laughs> watch the full games, bro. Like I don't know where he fits, man. And it, it, from a number standpoint, he probably don't fit. But man, if they can get that man on the roster, just watch him. Yeah, like you do, man. Listen, man. Like you just want to chill with him. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, what this is all about. I just want to chop it up, man. Yeah. <laughs> chop it up, dog. Like, like, like yeah, he, he inspired a. I bet you if you like Elijah Moore, like he probably like watched Tim Austin. Like Tim Austin inspired a whole generation of five foot ten, five foot nine, five foot eight receivers to really think that they could like dominate college football. Because the way he dominated college football back in 2010, 11, 12, and thirteen, not nah, twenty. 10, 11, 12, which is under. Like, that was just crazy. But from a schematic standpoint, I mean, you know, he's familiar with the offense. Um, so I guess that can help. That never hurts. And he's a good kick returner. Um, he could be a punt returner. But, um, I think that, I think that's where he could, he could fit. I mean, just from a number standpoint, you know, you already have, have Jameson Crowder. You already have Elijah Moore, like putting Tavon Austin into that. I don't know where he would get reps and get like on the field. And on, I'll say, yeah, Corey Davis, you're paying money to him. You got, uh, Denzel Mims, you came, you know, you got him. You want to see what he turned into. Cause he's kind of on the clock too, right? Cause he was second round pick last year. And then they go and they got another second round pick in receiver and Elijah Moore. And they paid money to Corey Davis. So, you know, it's only one ball. Yeah. So, you know, so he kind of got to take that next step forward. So they're probably going to give him every opportunity to do that. 
So I don't really know where Tim Austin fits, but man, just get him on the roster, man. Just get that. Man. <laughs> you said it though. You said it. Special teams, punt returner, kick returner. He's a burner, man. That's what he's been known to do. I mean, that's what he was doing more so like when he was on the Rams, just being used as a gadget player, doing those end arounds, punt return, kick return. I'll take it. Like right. we need speed. We need as much speed and weapons, versatile guys as possible. Maybe, who knows? Maybe we'll even do some wildcat throw, throw it back. Oh God. <laughs> I, I can, I can see it now though. Tavon Austin, one snap, one wildcat, like one yard. DJ has like a four hour interview with him after like, yo, about my oh. college though, 2013. <laughs> like, you really me back, bro. I could really like, when you talk that one yard pass, like I really, man. <laughs> oh, man you just go. It almost looked like you were getting Oklahoma again for 300 yards. But oh. listen, I just hope they sign him for preseason, you know what I'm saying? So I could just ask that man a thousand questions, dog. You heard it here first, Jets. Get it done for DJ, man. <laughs> oh, man. But speaking about uh, Tavon Austin being a free agent, what did you think about the Jets' free agency overall? Did you, If you had to give it a grade, uh, what would you give it? And then what were you, besides Carl Austin probably being the, the star-studded signing of that whole time period, what, what are your other thoughts about it? Um, so I think grade wise, probably like a B. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, probably a B because I mean, they could have probably did a little bit more on the offensive line, but hey, they wanted to, they, they believe in the guys that they have. Um, we had, when we had this one call with the assistant GM, Rex Hogan, he, he said he re- they really believe in the offense, the offensive line. Um, so they feel like a new scheme would allow them to play better. So we'll see. Um, and then, but you know, they went and got Sheldon Rankins, obviously Carl Lawson. I really like the Corey Davis uh pickup because he he would have been a thousand yard receiver had he not caught COVID and missed two games against the Buffalo Bills and I think the Houston Texans. So he did true a thousand yards. He had like he had and he's like, with AJ Brown. Yeah, yeah. And they were in a run first like that was a run first offense, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they they think they were second in the NFL in rushes rush attempts. That's why you know that's how Derry Henry ends up with two thousand yards. So, you know, he just had to Eat when he had the opportunity to, and he took full advantage of it. He only, I think he only had 93 targets. I believe I got to double check that, but it's for sure was under a hundred and he had almost a thousand yards. Um, so I really like that pickup. I think he can take another step forward and become that number one wide receiver. His, his trajectory is kind of similar to, um, Devontae Adams in a sense of like from a numbers perspective, but their games aren't similar. Their games aren't similar. Devontae. Devontae Adams a lot quicker, but from a, a statistical standpoint, um, it, it's very similar. So I'm, you know, I'm hoping that he can take that next step. So I really like that pickup. Um, I like the low bargain move with, uh, Davis and Joyner. Mm-hmm. See if you can get something out of those guys. Um, even though Joyner's a little bit older, but, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. But overall though, um, you know, get Tevin Coleman, who's familiar with the offense. So overall, it's been a solid, it was a solid, very, very good, uh, free agency class. I think it was better than Patriots class and, you know, everybody falling in June. Of course. Class. For whatever reason, you know, you got Nelson Aguilar, cool, nice. The tight uh, ends. You got two tight ends, cool story. But then, you know, you got Udon, who's smooth. You're not like a game changer. Yeah. Um, you overpay, you got, you got Jalen Men, Mills, he's whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, if the Jets had the Patriots, so the, the Jets had the Patriots off season for free agency, people would be killing it. Yeah. But you know, the Patriots have the Jets had, people would be crazy what the Patriots did. 100%. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, <laughs> man. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the party. 
<laughs> yeah, that's the worst how it part. Is. The worst part is that I, I'm right now. I'm in New York, but I live in Boston. I'm from New York, but okay. I live in Boston, so I have to hear all the the high praise of the Patriots. Like, oh, we do such a great job. Tom Brady is the savior. Uh, all this type of stuff for so long. So, <laughs> you know, they'll do anything up there to say Bill Belichick is a genius. Um, and stand yeah. by it. Which it's it's so funny because I'm that's one of the games I'm really looking forward to. Right, we got Tampa at at Foxborough this year. We also got, you know, Tom Brady visiting all of us. He's visiting your Miami Dolphins, right? He's coming to MetLife. I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. But just just speaking on your Dolphins for a second, and you kind of mentioned it before, your 2019 Dolphins. I've I've been comparing this upcoming Jets team to that 2019 Dolphin team somewhere like some sort of hybrid between that team and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it, the New York Knicks, like the 2021 New York Knicks, like somewhere in between, right? Because we got rid of everyone just like the Dolphins did, like the Minka trade and all that and the offensive linemen. And we had, we picked up a bunch of assets and everyone thinks we're going to be the worst team on earth. And I think we're going to be pretty gritty. I think Flores is a lot like Salah. And I think that we're going to, we have some solid defenders in there that nobody cares about. That's gonna, they're gonna end up, you know, making huge moves for us. So, am I off base with that? I mean, I know, I know, I know, I know you've only been with the Jets for, you know, just beginning this offseason. You've only been there for literally just this rookie camp, but I know you're a a hardcore Dolphins fan. So am I off base with that 2019 Dolphin and, you know, 2021 Jets comparison and maybe, maybe a little bit of Nick's optimism in there, 2021 Nick's optimism in there where like this new regime could like do something positive? So I think you you know you're not off base. I think I think this this squad has more talent than that 2021 team. No, 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 that 2019 Dolphins team. Because mm. like at least you have your quarterback of the future, you have a better defensive line, and you have because Damian Howard didn't even play that much that year. Like there was nobody that was even like remotely even close to being a difference maker outside of Damian Howard who was hurt and Devontae Parker. And look at they might just everybody else, whatever they're all replaceable. Y'all have more blue chip guys and Quinn Williams and Carl Lawson. Um, Corey Davis is kind of similar to Devontae Parker in the sense of like you have a number one. Um, obviously Dolphins had a better tight end or whatever, but you know, um, so I, I see the similarities, but I just think like y'all have a little bit more overall talent. Um, I think y'all, I, I have y'all predicted to win six games, um, maybe even seven. I don't, I was, so when I was going through the schedule, I was going back and forth between the first time y'all played the Dolphins, y'all played the Dolphins. Like, if that's going to be a win or a loss. But, like, I gave y'all the L. But I think I got to see, <laughs> the, you know, because, again, like, the predictions they made already mean nothing to me. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, way too it's, early. Yeah, it's way too early. I, I ain't even seen camp. I ain't seen <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> way too early prediction. But I could see that game, you know, going to y'all favor based on how Tua looks throughout the year um, going up into that game um, and, you know, just other factors. But... Um, yeah. So I think I have a little more talent. Uh, so the next thing, um, I get what you mean by the gritty part. However, Knicks are in the playoffs. And I just don't think it's just going to be. The you, don't think so. you, think the, you think the Dolphins are going to be in the playoffs? Do I think they'll be in the playoffs? I don't know. It depends who falls off. So if they can win the same amount of games, it depends which team from the AFC North finally sucks. Like, would the Steelers finally suck? <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's what hurt them the most. Is that the fact you had three teams in the AFC North 
that all won 11 games plus. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what hurt them the most. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Cincy, so, luckily enough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So, um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. Cause the schedule, the schedule is, 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 you know, on paper is, is hard, less, not hard as last year's. Oh, yeah. The last uh, year was brutal. Yeah. So, cause I think they had to play the whole AFC West, the whole NFC and AFC West last year. But this year they get to play the NFC, the AFC North, um, the NFC South. And yeah, yeah. And I think the NFC South is, there's so many questions in the AFC South. So we'll see though. We'll yeah. see. I don't know. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs. I hope they do, but we'll yeah. see. We'll, we'll, we'll see though. I try not to, I'm going to wait and see with the, with the, with the Dolphins. They've hurt me too many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We feel you there, man. They've hurt you too many times. We're Jets fans, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta see. I gotta see. For some reason, we don't have that Monday night, uh, Jets game, but regardless of how early the schedule was, I, I mentioned it at the top, but it really is like a holiday for me. I actually booked my, uh, my hotel in London already and I got my flight to Denver. So I'm ready, man. I am, <laughs> really? I'm ready. You got the flight to Denver? Uh, I got my flight to Denver, man. Well, cause, uh, I'll give you a little, a little hint right now with no free ads, but JetBlue, if you book JetBlue in May, you can cancel for free. That's true though. Um, wait, so you got, you got, you said Denver and London? Yeah, I, I copped the, I copped the Denver flight. Right. And I got, and I got my London hotel. So I'm, I'm waiting for my Denver accommodation. I'll work that in later. And the news is that JetBlue, which is a sponsor of the New York Jets and happens to be Zach Wilson's uncle's Business? Very convenient. Very convenient. They and Woody Johnson, who uh, was the ambassador for London the last for England the last four years. Right. Uh, they there's news that JetBlue is going to start New York to London flights in 2021. Really? So I'm kind of waiting on that. To be honest with you, <laughs> I'm feeling like the the numbers have all aligned. Okay, I was hoping that that game was going to be in Atlanta, but whatever. <laughs> are you are you traveling for away games? Yeah, I'm traveling for away games. I'm traveling for away games. I uh, I believe so. I mean, right, I, I just I just saw I just saw a tweet um from NFL Insider like all the games are going to be to full capacity. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be you know I'm gonna be traveling. I know that's for a fact. Perfect. All right, cool. So I'll see you in Denver. I'll see you in London, and I'll probably see you in Buffalo. The last uh, week of the uh, season. I'm not looking forward to that Buffalo trip. <laughs> Dude, I was, I was at the Buffalo game where Fitzpatrick, when we went 10 and 6 and Fitzpatrick lost that game and I need to redeem myself, man. I, I, I literally need to go to Buffalo and win the last game of the season. That's the only way I can get over it. I will, I will go to the tailgate though. I will go to their tailgate. They're fun, man. They're fun. They're really fun. You know, Bill's fans jumping off tables, jumping onto tables and trying to kill themselves. So. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just park on their lawns, flip them ten bucks, and you can do whatever you want. Exactly, <laughs> it's a exactly. great time. Exactly, exactly. I agree for sure. But you know what? Because and DJ now covered up his Miami Heat jersey. Thank We're talking a little bit basketball now. So thank you for doing that for us. Um, appreciate it. Oh, but- I only did that because um, right now, I I I, I <laughs> spend time with my mom for Mother's Day. And she doesn't like my tattoos, so I hide them when I walk through the house. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. But let's get into some basketball real quick, because you are a Miami Heat fan. How do you feel about the season so far uh, for your Miami Heat? 
So I, I do like how they rebounded. I think they started out four and seventeen, and now I've got to the thirty-eight and thirty. Um, if they can get to that fourth spot, so if they get to the four, four, five spot, and they can win that series, now I'm thinking, okay, they might be able to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then we'll see what, what can happen there. But if they're not in the three, four spot, then I mean, they're not in the three, the four, five spot. Then I'm like, you know, like they'll they'll be in trouble. That's, but, that's our nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to be in the three. I do not want to be in the six, seven. And I do not want to be six, seven, eight spot. Well, if they fall to the eight spot, I'm cool with that because I think they could beat Philly. But the, the the three, I mean the six and seven, I don't really. I mean, I'm trying to avoid that. But man, I I, I really enjoy watching the Knicks play this year. I've enjoyed Julius Randle. Like every time I watch him, like yo, he just gets buckets, man. You know what I'm saying? He just gets buckets. Like he's just at the park, uh, just hooping and stuff. So I I enjoy watching the Knicks play. Like that's the team. Like I don't know if we would, the Heat would beat them, but I would enjoy watching that because, like, I feel like that would be like old school basketball, just like really, yeah. you know, seventy-eight, seventy-two. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's what we've been doing this entire season. It was like nineties, <laughs> like eighty something, ninety something. It takes it real far back when you watch those type of games. You know, when uh, we had. Uh, Spree, we had Houston, we had LJ going against Alonzo Mourning and all those guys going against Hardaway. Whew, that just Jeff Van Gundy, back. Jeff Van Gundy reaching on the ankles, <laughs> sliding uh, down. We asked for this, man. This is what we asked for, so I guess we can't complain. Do, for do, sure. Do you think it's? Do you think it's? Uh, it was a hindrance that the Heat made it so deep into the bubble, and then the season started so early because the Heat and the Lakers are both, you know. They've been hurt all year, and I know it's unrelated, but Butler just got this eye injury, but it's just one thing after the other with this Heat team. Yeah, no, I agree, man. It's been, it's been, yeah, that, them going that deep and having to turn around so fast, that, that's for sure hurt them. Um, I mean, you know, it was a pandemic, so it kind of was what it was, but yeah, that, that for sure hurt. I think the Lakers and the Heat have very, like, their records are almost identical. <laughs> yeah, and they're both they both getting their, like their butts kicked all year. Honestly, like every every day someone's injured. No matter even exactly. if it's not exactly. the top guys, like Duncan Robinson missed games, Caruso missed games. You know, all the, just like the bench guys, and that that stuff hurts you then during the season. Yeah, no, of course, of course, and like the Heat aren't overly talented to where like they can, you know, they can they they can miss like Jimmy Butler for a few games or miss Bam and Abadi for a few games. Like they need like their stars. They're not like the, the Nets who can. If KD's out, they got Harden and they got Kyrie. And if Harden's out, they got Kyrie and they got KD. They're not like that. So, um, yeah, it's hurt, it hurt them badly, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how they look in the playoffs. Um, I am looking forward to it. So the way I am with basketball is, um, like I'm a Heat fan, Dyer. That's, that's a the first, I think the second year I, I was watching them, they won the championship in 06. So like I've always been a Heat fan, but as I've gotten older, I've come to come to terms like we kind of know what's going to happen. <laughs> so if I know they had a chance, I'm all in. Damn, if I know they don't really got a chance to like, you know, get to the finals or make a deep playoff push, you know, I'm gonna enjoy, you know, the ups and downs, you know, the high moments and things like that. But you know, I'm not gonna get that invested. Like I'm gonna pay attention, obviously, but I'm not gonna get that emotionally invested. Last year, I was emotionally invested. Oh <laughs> uh, man, how could you not be? Invested. <laughs> I honestly I think I they're gonna sweep enjoy- you in, bro. I think they're gonna sweep you in. I think they're gonna do something, they're gonna they're gonna win the convincingly the first round or something and they're gonna i i have them making a deep run i have them at least playing in the eastern conference i know it sounds crazy but i think they could beat the bucks i don't i don't think i don't think that's an issue i don't know if they could beat the bucks 
Really? Oh. I, I think the only problem is Brooklyn. <laughs> that's I think that that's and Philly obviously, but I think that he could Heat are the only team that can beat Philly. Otherwise, I think it's Philly's uh, conference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Philly's. I think they can beat Philly. I just they can't beat Brooklyn. They just don't have enough firepower to beat Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn's worst ma- matchup is with uh, Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee can match them firepower wise, and they could they can they can defend. But the Heat, they can they can defend, but they just can't. Man, it's just when <laughs> them boys get going, it's over with for uh for the Heat when it comes against the Nets. So. Um, I just I don't I don't know if anybody can beat the Nets. You know what I'm saying? Like the history of basketball has always told me, if you got the best players on the court, you'll win. So they're good. And they got three of them. And they got three of them. Every match that they're gonna be in, they're gonna have the three best. They're gonna have three of the best four or five players. So yeah, yeah, it's insanity. But you know, let me ask you this about the Heat because we saw you know Duncan Robinson come on the scene last year with his flamethrower shooting. You have Tyler Hero who's getting songs made about him. <laughs> so. Do you like? I've seen Tyler Hero just like have a slight drop off this year. What do you think? Like, is the main reason for that? Let's start with. Let's start there. Um, I think you know just sophomore slumps and like there's a lot. There was a lot of expectations put on him because some people. people I'm asking the list that, that, that like, he's the top fifty player in the NBA. Like, shut up. Top fifty. He's, he's top fifty, and RJ is is bottom fifty. Like, 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 what are we? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are we? I don't even know what they were talking about. They got, they got really caught up in the Tyler Hero hype, you know. Um, but I just didn't, I've never bought in Tyler Hero like that. Like, I, he can hoop. Like, I'm not going to disrespect him that far. Like, he can hoop. He, he's, he's a nice talent. But, uh, I remember I almost got in an argument with somebody when they said RJ Bear was better. I said, no, nah, Tyler Hero better. He said, you don't believe that. And I was like, you right. Like, like I've watched Tyler Hero play. Like, he's a good player, but like, I don't see like the, uh, that that much upside. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just mm. like his ceiling is is like a poor man CJ McCollum. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, if CJ McCollum can get buckets, I, I can't even see Tyler Hero getting buckets on that level where he can average like 25 in a season. Like, I just can't see that. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, I think the expectation was just too high on him. And, you know, you know, bringing the expectation down a little bit. Like, this is more what he is. Like, he's like a six, a six man or like a, a middling star that can get buckets for you. But I think that's just too high. People thought he was going to take like another stand, be a 20 point per game score. I mean, I think that's like his peak is like averaging 20 points. So. Okay. And what about Duncan Robinson? What do you, how do you feel about him? Oh, he can shoot. <laughs> but. He can't do, he can't defend us. He can't defend us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah li- liability on defense. Yeah, he can't defend a stop sign. But to me, I think, <laughs> I think he more, I think he more valuable than Tyler Hero, to be honest. Oh man. I think, I think Ooh, that's a, a hot player. take. I think Tyler Hero's a better player, but I think Duncan Robinson is more valuable because like he's such a sniper and when he's running all over the court, um, you know, off of screens, off screens and things like that, it kind of like the defense has to pay attention to him because he can just light you up so uh okay yeah. i got this question though because i got this question for you sorry to cut you off um uh because there was rumors during the trade deadline where they could have traded tyler hero for kyle lowry would you done it Nah, hell no nah. Ty, Ty, kyle, uh, kyle lowry's like 35 years old going 36 okay i want to i want to say like it feels like to me 
It was up to me. Tyler Hero would have been down in Houston. Yeah, I'd have packed his bags. I'd have sent him out. I'd have sent him out. Send the I'd have sent him out. a long time ago, man. <laughs> I would have got That's rid hilarious. of him. That's actually hilarious. Um, but like, that, that's something that, you know, I've, some people say that Houston was asking for too much and he couldn't really get him. Whatever, bro. That, <laughs> that stuff pissed me off. Like, I, I ain't gonna lie. I stopped watching Heat for a little minute because I was just so mad about that because you had an opportunity to get James Harden and you let him go to a rival. Cause you know, like, if you want to get back to the finals, you have to, you got to get through Brooklyn and you end up with the team that you have to get through. So good luck, Miami. Um, and you got Depot. Who just had the season ending surgery today. Right. You know what I'm saying? But hey, they still kept most of their assets. So yeah. um whatever whatever's left for their assets. But um we'll see though. Um I would have uh I mean I wouldn't have made that trade for for Lowry though, because Lowry's pretty old. That like you make that type of move if you're like one piece away to get to a championship, you want a championship, and then like everybody gets washed and then you start all over. But the Heat aren't at that spot yet. So you know who I, you know who I, I haven't even said this out loud, but I had this we, really weird low key feeling that Lonzo Ball is going to end up in Miami. Really? Just because he's, he's, he's a, he's a really a big, nice tempo guy for them. I don't think Drogic will be back. And I don't know how you guys are feeling about Harold. He's just a guy, I don't know. It's just in my brain, just somebody that I feel like is in shape enough, just feels like a Miami pace kind of guy. But yo, let me take you down memory lane for a second into the Heatles, man. How how was that time for you? Because for us, for me, from my perspective, I had the day of the decision, which I was in Times Square, and uh, that was that was a, that was a tough day. I talked to Jackie McMillan that day. That was that was a tough day. No, James McManamus, sorry, uh, that day. That was from ESPN. That was a tough day. Um, and then we had, you know, the Amari Stoudemire punching the fire extinguisher. In the locker room during the playoffs, that was tough. We had the confetti coming down after the one win, right after we lost four one. So that was our perspective from from about the Heatles. So, what's your perspective from the Heatles now that we're not hating anymore? Now that you know that storm has kind of calmed down. What was that like, man? So when they got to when they all went to Miami, I was in the that first year. I was in the eleventh grade, I believe. I was was I in the tenth? I think I was in eleventh grade. So. I didn't fully grasp like the gravity of what just happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like how earth shattering it was. But you know, I enjoyed watching them play, you know. And then uh when they lost that first year, I was like, dang, like, you know what I'm saying? And then when they went back next year, they got that win. When I started to really feel it was that 2012, 2013 year when they won like 27 in a row and 166 16 throughout the year. Um, and that's when I first went to college. I was at a junior college in Arkansas. And um I was playing, I was playing ball out there and that summer, I vividly remember, you know, a lot of like, you know, the incoming freshmen were like hating against the Heat. And it was me, a couple of my homeboys that I went to high school with. And we just out me, there. me in New York. <laughs> <laughs> and we were, uh, you know, we was watching the, we were watching the game in the lounge, and like those those games were so intense. And when they were down, that game six when they were down, and um, you know, it looked like it was it was over with. My brat, one of my homeboys, uh, Christian, I still, you know, poke him, make fun of him about him to this day. He leaves the room, we oh, don't have to the room. And then, you know, me and Jalen and Dewan, we're still watching. <laughs> and then, like, you know, when, when, I think, what was it? Who, who missed the first shot? Was it Kawhi or was it Manu? But I know it was, you know, having back to back. I remember, uh, yeah. 
uh, well, you know, one of them messaged me and Jen, like, oh, oh, snap, now. And then when LeBron comes, he hits the three. We're like, okay. And then, like, <laughs> uh, well, I think Kawhi misses the free throw. LeBron, uh, misses the shot. Then, you know, Ray Allen hits the shot. We over here shouting. We go, we run the Christian's room. We start banging on his door, like, Christian, you missed it. You missed it. We going to overtime. He come back out in the lounge. We watching it. We win the game. And then we win game seven. I remember getting like on a, on a couch or a chair or something like that. Oh, I mean, I was like just shouting at the people that were hating on us. People say I have veins <laughs> popping out my neck. It was just like, yo, DJ, calm down. Like, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that vividly. You know what I'm saying? And I also remember 2014 when them boys got swept out. They got, they got gentlemen swept out the finals. And I yeah. knew it was easy. And that was that performance by Dirk was crazy, right? Yeah. Oh, oh Dude, yeah. That was, I was on a cruise. That was, I remember watching every one of those games. On a, I was on a full week cruise. We would just gather up the entire boat uh, in the cigar room and just watch Dirk just put on an absolute clinic. Man, don't, I can't imagine being a Heat fan during those times because you can't even be mad. The guy, mm-hmm. the guy was going like forty four for forty seven from the field. <laughs> like, 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 what are you gonna do? Including Dude was on throws. fire, man. I just yeah. remember watching that. Like, me and my friends were just like watching every single because it was must see TV. That was must see TV. Is Dirk finally going to do it? Are the Heaters going to win the first one? Right. Yeah, Great. man. I, I remember. Like, so I was again. I was younger at that time. I was, I think, about like that time, sixteen. Um, but I didn't really like understand what was happening, like how great Dirk was playing and things of that nature. Um. And then, you know, as time has gone by and I've gone back and rewatched, I was just like, wow, they're crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I didn't realize how bad LeBron was playing. Yo, the- <laughs> Yo it was <laughs> fourth quarter. Was- <laughs> was playing. Like, it was just more like, you know, like, because, like, as a kid, you know, growing up as a Heat fan, like, we, you know, Wade, as a Wade County, you know what I'm saying? So when Wade, you know, when LeBron wasn't holding up his hand and Wade was going crazy, he was like, well, I mean, this is what we expect. You know, we ain't going to show up. We not ready for that. <laughs> and then, um, you know, obviously, like, I didn't even realize he had four point eight points. And I think it was a game four or something like that. I didn't even realize mm-hmm. that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just was just watching the game. Um, and then, like, when I look back, I'm just like, yo, that's insane. <laughs> like, I've never seen a meltdown like what LeBron had in that final. So, like, a superstar player of his caliber on the, on that type of stage, like, like, that was, you gotta go all the way back to possibly what, like, tragic magic or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. that's how far you gotta go back. Like, I didn't realize how bad he was playing. I was like, oh, like, what, 16 years old at the time. Like, and we just thought it was Skip Bayless, just gaslighting. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, right, right. But we back, like, yo, he was really playing like, dude. <laughs> I, I just remember following, I love the parody accounts, like, Stephen A. Smith burner account, stuff like yeah. that. That's, that stuff's fire. Uh, there was a, there's a not Bill Walton account. Mm-hmm. And I just remember every single game. It was just like missing number, uh, two, like six, eight, 250 pound <laughs> man wearing a number six Miami Heat jersey went missing in the fourth quarter. Only yeah. left six points on the board. Where is this guy? And he would like do it for Dwayne Wade, all these type of things. It was just, it was straight comedy. I forget like the way that he worried about it. I was just dying because it, it to your point, DJ, it was just, it was just crazy that a superstar just, you know, we're so used to watching Kobe, the, the, the legend of Michael Jordan. You see all these guys who are ready to come up in the clutch. And then a guy who's anointed the king, the next, the next coming of like the greatest thing possible, only like eight points, sometimes six points. 
in the fourth quarter. Like, where is this guy? It really, like, when you go back, as you said, it's very interesting to see that happen. But now, dudes went to what? How many consecutive finals? It's insane. What was it like? What was it? Uh, eight? What was I think eight? it's eight. eight in a row. Yeah, it was eight in a row, basically nine and ten years. That was wow. I don't think we've ever, ever seen anything like that again, though. Yeah, that's 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 going to be. If it does, that's way past <laughs> our lifetime. <laughs> but yeah, guys. I mean, Atlanta. Atlanta has looked like they're about to lose to Washington. So uh, just like just to close it out, just to you know bring this full circle, how do you think Atlanta matches up against the Heat and or the Knicks uh, in this playoffs? Because they're both very very possible matchups. I think uh, I I wouldn't want to like from a viewing standpoint, like I would much rather the Heat play the the Knicks, but I feel like that you know the Hawks, yeah, I feel like the Hawks would lose both series matchups. I mean, when they're just really young, and yeah. you know, like, it's not like I mean they're really skilled, but they're not like. Overly talent, like actually they got a lot of talent, but um, I just feel like that that youth will just get come back and bite them, you know, just that uh, you know, the Heat they have a lot of experience, they're just in the final, they know how to play playoff basketball. The uh, the Knicks, I know most of their guys haven't you know really played that much playoff basketball. Obviously, you know, you got Derrick Rose, you got Tom Thibodeau, but I believe in Tom Thibodeau and he'd be able to uh, get those boys over. So I'm not I I'm not that worried about the Hawks to be honest. All right, cool. okay. Nice. Well, DJ, we appreciate your intake on the New York Jets. We appreciate your your basketball takes. And even though we're our Knicks fans, we appreciate your Miami Heat fandom and just reminiscing with you and discussing about the NBA. But for our listeners out there, please let them know where they can find you. <laughs> D-B-I-E-N-A-I-M-E-N-Y-B-N. Uh, that's good. So D-B-N-M-A, New York Daily News for the most part. So I yeah, do. We're we're looking forward we're looking forward to your work, man. We we we've already been really excited. There's no need to you know talk about the new the new regime at the yeah. Daily News. We were ex- we're excited that you're there. We're excited that you're uh, a Dolphins fan and you're looking at it completely objectively. Like when you're telling us that Sam Darnold stinks, like that makes us happy, right? Because you know what I mean? <laughs> objective. Like we're we're happy to get this objective view from you, uh, Alex and I. We share your articles uh, on the Daily. Um, with each other and we talk about it. So keep it up, man. We're really looking forward to your first season, uh, with us. We're hopefully you're with us for a while and, uh, we'll see you at home games and on the road for sure, dude. Uh, no problem, man. I appreciate y'all having me on. Thanks, man. Once again, thank you for DJ for coming on to the podcast and everyone out there. Please make sure to go check out his work at the daily news because he does a phenomenal job covering the New York Jets. But for all you listeners out there, please make sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All right, you can find us on all listening platforms, whether it's Spotify, Anchor, Google Play, Amazon Alexa, you name it, we are there. On top of that, subscribe, subscribe. Just hit the subscribe button. Just hit the subscribe button. This is where we need to pop up and just hit the subscribe. That's what we need right now. On top of that, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We are, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Just type in Nick's comma Jets comma ETC, or you can do at Nick's Jets ETC. That's all it is. Thank you once again. Thank you to DJ for coming on to the show. We'll catch you later, everyone. Let's go Jets and let's go Knicks. Let's go, baby. Let's go.